0: Hi, Charmers. Welcome back. This is Season 1, Episode 5 of Charm Life.
1: Charmed Life.
0: We have something a little different for you today, Charmers. We're going to take it way back. Way, way And we are starting our journey in Georgia, circa April 1969. Georgia! In a small, unnamed recording studio in Atlanta, where a drum solo was recorded that would change the face of the music industry forever. Ever. This is the story of the Amen break.
1: Oh, let's go.
0: Okay, so, as I said a few minutes ago, our story begins today in Atlanta, Georgia in 1969. 69! The Winstons are a six-piece, multiracial, multicultural band trying to record a B-side to their main track, Colour Him Father, which would go on to be a commercial success in its own right at the time, becoming a top 10 R&B hit for 1969 and winning a Grammy the same year. Wow. Okay. So not not small fry, right? It's it's decent. So the fact that this story is about fully about the B side to color him father is a funny fact in and of itself, because this B side almost didn't even happen. mate. The story goes. Why? That the Winstons had just finished recording their title track and needed basically some BS filler song, okay. which was a requisite for any record pressing in '69, and li- even on yes, a single, being bullshit? bullshit. You basically needed, if you were re- record pressing in '69, you needed to have a B side to the A side on the record <laughs> for it to actually play. That's what so like so you ha- ha- yeah. So you awful. had to, li- you had to literally have two songs. The first one on the top list of the track which people put in was your single and the bottom side was literally just whatever old shit you could cobble together. Records indicate that the band obviously were tired after finishing their A-side and they wanted to just record whatever they could and be done for the day. The lead singer of the Winstons, Richard Spencer, remembers the day uh, with this quote. So, quote, The band didn't really want to rehearse the song. We weren't there to do original. We were a bar band. The guys were a little testy. They wanted leisure time. So I was kind of rushing it. Halfway through the track, the other instruments fall silent as GC pounds away on his own for four bars. And in about 20 minutes, we had a playable song. Mm. End quote. Mm. Now, what Richard is referring to here is a drum solo. The band had actually designed to make the song longer so it could meet the standards of a B-side track. Uh, It was played by now legendary drummer GC Coleman. The solo of the the drums would be dubbed the Amen break, quite literally, wow. because it was the musical break in between the riff and the bridge to the final chorus of the song color Him Father Amen."
1: And it was just that, yeah, that literally, that just drum, GC
0: pounding away on the drums. The drum and drum uh, yeah. To answer your question, I have the audio. Let's listen to the drum solo, yes, so you geez. can see what he's hearing. Let's go. After this quick 20-minute, that's all it took, by the way, to record that song, 20-minute recording session, the Winstons sign off on their B-side track and title it, Amen, Brother. Okay? And basically, Amen, brother. that is that. As we already said, the A-side, Him father, received acclaim. And it looks like the B-side did its job, which was to act as a foil for the supposedly superior... Title track.
1: Okay.
0: Now, you would think that after a Grammy and a top 10 hit, the Winstons would be on the up. However, what happened next is nothing short of tragic. The Winstons actually disbanded just eight months later. Oh, no. In 1970. They cited their reason for parting ways as, quote, a lack of gigs. But, bright as always, there's a story behind this simple reasoning.
1: No, of course there
0: is. You see, the Winstons as we've noted, were a multiracial band, which was fairly rare in 1969. And this played a huge part in their disbanding. Atlanta in the late 60s was a tough place not only to live as a person of color, but also to even associate with someone with darker skin in public. From what I carvell
1: so Yeah,
0: from what I carve all interviews and documents yeah. I can find, the Winston cite their lack of bookings down to the fact that you had three African American men paired in this band with three white men, and the community at the time basically wouldn't tolerate it. I mean, for me that's a fucking disgraceful treatment of a Grammy winning band. I mean you, you, you You agree?
1: Yeah, man. I fucking hate our fucking society back then. There's so much...
0: so much wrong with it, huh?
1: Dude, yeah. I know that we talk about it in a later episode. Yeah. But, like, yeah. I mean, just the racial... Yeah. We've got some
0: shit to say, but uh, it's just disgraceful that the fact that these guys could win two of the biggest accolades as a six-piece mixed-race band that you could ever win, and then all of a sudden, our Basically forced to disband because their local bars, music halls had said,
1: fucking "Sorry,
0: you, yeah. this is not the kind of colour that we want." Shit, it's fucked man. up.
1: Well, even to that point, too. Like, I mean, such a big band, those many accolades. How many people actually even know who they are?
0: Here we go. So, yeah. for fifteen years, mate, that would be that. The Winstons disbanded. They moved on with their lives, and the Amen Break which we spoke about as the drum solo we played, basically lived purely as an element in a B-side of a shelved record. Okay. But what we've seen in previous episodes of Charmed Life is that history has a funny way of knocking things loose. And in 1986, this is exactly what happened with Amen Brother.
1: So, fuck,
0: For almost 20 years. Yeah. It's funny how things work, huh? I've got a straight-up Wikipedia quote here, which perfectly explains how Amen Break, the Amen Break, even made its way out of the archives at all. So, quote, In the 1980s, with the rise of hip-hop, DJs began using turntables to loop drum beats from records, which MCs would rap over. In 1986, Amen Brother was included on Ultimate Beats and Breaks, a compilation of old funk and soul tracks with clean drums intended for DJs, end quote. So in context, this is basically, which is what I understand, the 1980s equivalent of a beginner drum kit set being used in like, Fruity Loops or yeah. Lodging.
1: <laughs> no, like something like that. Where, so where they're like,
0: oh, here you go. Here's the bangers from like the stuff that yeah. you can sample for but free. it's the ultimate sample. Yeah, and it's just something that beginners would pick up and yeah. learn how to compose a break or a beat with. So it was literally like, okay, you want to be a DJ? It's 1981. Here you go. Here's a, like a, a kind of box little kit little of like the kit. best breaks. Yeah. And what's hilarious is that everyone jumps. It's not like now where like, you have logic, you have fruity loops, you have all these different, like, uh, I guess production options that we use. Right. If I put out like a, a four, four kind of drum beat with the typical unfiltered hits that were available to me from a kind of basic kit, yeah. people wouldn't listen to it because they go, Oh, no one's done fuck all with that. But at the time in the eighties, it was a completely different thing. And, Everybody used ultimate breaks and beats. I mean everybody, and I'm gonna tell you about it. Okay. Right now.
1: You fucking better.
0: I fucking will, dude.
1: Tell us about it, Charles.
0: So who takes the accolade for the band to first use this compilation to good effect? Everything I found points to salt and pepper. The singers of Push It. Yeah, baby. Yeah you know that song? Of course. Ah. Push it. Pum, push it real push it good. Real good. Uh, 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 (laughs) 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 So so yeah, so Salt and Pepper were the first ones to basically pull Amen Brother from the archives and sample the drums on their own with their song I Desire in 1986. And this was signalled the start of the Amen Breaks meteoric rise that would make it the most sample piece of music ever. Whoa. Ever. ever. Forever, ever. Forever, ever? Forever, ever. Holy it would literally shit. be the most sample piece of music ever, mate.
1: From that point on to... Yeah, from 1986
0: to, to now, no other piece of music Holy shit. is more popular and I'm I'm going to take you to Holy the line.
1: Holy shit. Bring us there. Yeah, let's it. Do it. Oh, that's crazy, dude.
0: So next came NWA. We all know NWA. And they used to they used it to even better effect with the song Straight Out of Compton, right? Yeah, the yeah, title yeah. track off their 1998 album. For licensing reasons, obviously, as we've spoken about already, we can't play it here, but we have linked a sample on our website, which is on Wikipedia, so you actually can go have a listen without infringing copyright law. And it is literally just the Amen Break with some distortion on it and it makes the backbone wow. of the track
1: no just listening to that dude fuck that song is amazing such a banger and like it's crazy to think that like so the sample yeah that that you've described that was beat, just fucking b-sided was like just like pushed to the side in the past not even that big of a deal then to be one of the most used sample drum beats in history, ever like basically, it sounds like they just cut out like the jazz intro and exit from the original, right? And basically, like slowed down the four-four bar.
0: Yep. Looped it. Yeah, nailed it.
1: Looped it, and then that's like what makes the fucking
0: beat. Yeah, but it just big. fucking slaps. I mean, like it's... when you listen to it, it's the hi hat and the tub and the hi hat, oh and you God. you get you get that kind of head bopping. And like oh. this song is is old now, but. It's still so good, and I think what is so sad is that, like, actually, when you think about it, like, you think about like Ice Cube and everyone, it's actually G. C. Coleman just, just fucking slapping the hi hat in the tub over and over again (laughs) as a fucking B side, as like a quick, oh, I got to just bang this drum, this drum solo before I go and have a pint, like before I go have a drink, having no idea, having no idea, people would go in. And that's the thing. So, we've already mentioned Salt and Pepper, big band. We've already mentioned NWA, bigger band. I mean, like, they are probably about as big as you get in terms of influence, but.
1: Incredible. How would
0: you react if I said that the Amen break was about to get bigger? Much
1: bigger. I mean, how? How does it get bigger from that? In
0: 1990, a cultural phenomenon was brewing in the UK. And you knew after six episodes, I was probably about to give you some UK stuff because it's been quite US based. <laughs> but I want to read you. Is that
1: where you're from? Are you from London Tom? C-
0: can you even tell?
1: <laughs> I don't I, think
0: so. I, I just love fish and chips. <laughs>
1: I think you sound very American now
0: these <laughs> days. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to read you a rather long quote because I think it gives us a really good insight into the genre development of my personal favorite. Okay. Drum and bass.
1: Oh my goodness! And you gracious. and you
0: know, like there's a meme that I always show people where it's like,
1: yeah.
0: Oh, if you want to get with me in my car, yeah, you better like drum and drum bass. And
1: bass. <laughs> but it's so true. Like yeah. drum
0: and bass is like the thing that I'm happy. I listen to drum and bass. Yeah, I'm sad. I listen to drum and bass. I don't know what I want to listen to. It's fucking drum and bass. It's drum and bass. So actually is a whole different genre, which I'm going to explain to you now through this large quote. Okay? Good,
1: because I think even for us in the U.S., I don't think a lot of people even know what that genre of sound even really means. Yeah, I totally. Bass. Like, in the U.S. even it. less, yeah. I know yeah. it, but like, what is it really? So, okay, yeah, so
0: here is. we here we go. Explanation yeah. of DMB in a quote. In the late 1980s and early 1990s, a growing nightclub and overnight outdoor event culture gave birth to new genres in the rave scene, which combined sampled syncopated beats and other examples from a wide range of different musical genres, and occasionally samples of music, dialogue, and effects from films and TV programs.
1: Okay, wow.
0: From as early as 1991, tracks were beginning to strip away some of the heavier sampling and hardcore from Uh, their noises, and create more bassline and breakbeat-led tracks. Some tracks increasingly took their influence from reggae, and this style would become known as Jungle. Okay. While darkcore producers such as Goldie, Doc Scott, Four Hero, and Two Bad Mice were experimenting with sounds and creating a blueprint for drum and bass, especially noticeable by 1993. By 1994, jungle had begun to gain mainstream popularity and fans of the music, often referred to as junglists, became a more recognizable part of youth subculture. Mm. The genre further developed, incorporating and fusing elements from a wide range of existing musical genres, including the ragamuffin sound, dancehall and MC chants, and increasingly complex, heavily edited breakbeat percussion. Despite the affiliation with the ecstasy-fueled rave scene, Jungle also inherited associations with violence and criminal activity, (laughs) both from the gang culture that had affected the UK's hip-hop scene, and as a consequence of Jungle's often aggressive or menacing sound and themes of violence in the choice of samples. However. This developed in tandem with the often positive rep of the music as, a, as part of a wider rave scene and dancehall-based Jamaican music culture mm-hmm. prevalent in London. And by 1995, whether as a reaction to or independently of this cultural schism, some jungle producers began to move away from the ragga-influenced style and create what would become collectively labelled for convenience As drum and bass, end quote. and bass.
1: Wow, goddamn, is that a quote.
0: Now, the reason I put this hefty description in there is that every single drum and bass slash jungle drum beat can all be traced back to one drum sample that led the foundation for this movement. Okay. So (laughs) you don't get any points for guessing this one. Which drum sample do you think it was? Amen Breaks. (laughs) Very fucking guys.
1: I mean, like, come on, dude. It's it's unbelievable to think that in 1969, they record this fucking drum track as a filler, as a B-side, and it has literally, years later, turned into a genre. But
0: it's transcended genre, because he's got hip-hop. It's true. He's got jungle. He's got drum and bass. He's got breakbeat. Um, and this actually what I was going to say next. not it's the yeah. fucking,
1: it's these, it is the drum Central part. drum
0: beat for everything. Whether it's
1: slowed down
0: or, or sped, sped down. up. It's the Amen Break. So not only has the Amen Break moved into hip hop, which was naturally precursored by R&B, but it has influenced an entire genre and an additional subgenre over a generation or two internationally i I mean i defy you to name a sample that even comes close and once again it's not even really been altered apart from speed here's a small clip of a classic jungle beat so you can hear what i mean okay? okay so i'm gonna play it for you guys right now
1: play classic
0: Dude, I mean, apart from anything else, that song is an absolute piece of fire. Yeah. But what do you think? Like, syncopation-wise, drum-wise, it's only sped <laughs> up by... No, but it's also it's only sped up by about 1.2, yeah, 1.4 at totally max. Fair. Like, it's yeah. not... You can clearly tell that that's GC Coleman with a little vocal sample chopped over. It's not It's not different, is it?
1: I don't, no, it's not. It's just, it's like, It's. it's the most, like... I don't know, lack of a better word, just profound to think that one moment in time, so long ago, in a studio, the drummer records this one thing that will then be used over and over and, and over again. No, I mean, and, and, and in so many different. Yeah songs yeah it's crazy
0: for me to think That's that a trip, one dude. man that one drummer gc coleman made wow. two genres that are my favorite so wow. you know what's crazy well and i guess not crazy but something i wanted to just tell you now at the halfway point yes i know i said that this was something a little different today yeah but you know me
1: yeah, that's our deal. Uh, yeah. yeah, that
0: <laughs> I love to bring it back to the legal drama. Okay, yeah, of course. and the Winston's.
1: show that. The drinks.
0: Winston's did not get a single oh, no. cent oh,
1: for oh, no. any
0: no. of this. That's right, mate. The band, oh. and in particular the talent of G. C. Coleman, the man we've been waxing oh. lyrical about, he got absolutely nothing after breaking up despite single-handedly launching multiple genres with the amen break GC did not get paid one cent past the year that his Grammy was awarded which is
1: so awful just as a statement because of the truth in it but also even more awful because they broke up because in the times Mm. There was such bullshit yeah. going on with race. One hundred percent. I mean, and so it's like they got slowed down then, and then even now, and in between all that time from then to now, yeah, lost out yeah. on so and, much.
0: And I will say that sampling uh, in the late eighties, mate, it was a grey area uh, for sure. Okay, it's sure. nothing like the permission-driven landscape of today that you and I know. Okay, yeah, Richard Spencer, the lead singer of the Winstons, didn't even know his sample had ever been used. Until 1996, when a record label executive contacted him to ask if he could have the master copy oh of God. the Amen Break in
1: 96.
0: In 96. Holy so, shit. what I mean, let's just go back. Color Me Father was was 69, right. as was Amen Break. Right. So basically, what they're saying is, for for you know, two decades, yeah. almost three, yeah. he had no idea, and understandably, he immediately condemned its use as plagiarism, saying, "quote." Heart and soul went into that drum break. Now these guys copy and paste it and make millions. Yeah. yeah, He is 100% right. I mean, there were no real sampling laws internationally protect he and his bandmates at the time. In all honesty, until the Beastie Boys released and cleared legally their album, Paul's Boutique, in 89 which was a whole album made up of samples. Nobody in the industry was pulling in the same direction. And what this meant was that most infringement cases, barring like two before 89, were ever looked at. And this includes Winston's claim. He filed the claim and they said, I'm sorry, our laws weren't set up till 89. You're exempt from this claim. Now the actual drummer, G.C. Coleman's story in particular... Mate, it's fucking gut wrenching. I mean, he died in 2006 oh, no. after developing a nasty drug addiction and he was living homeless on the streets oh, of Atlanta. Man. And it, what's sad is from talking to the remaining band members, it seems highly unlikely that he ever knew even 1% of the impact he made on world music. Right. So he died oh, thinking that's... he recorded the Amen Break as a joke, like as yeah. a B side. Um, and later in Richard. Lewis Spencer's life, the lead singer, who, you know, at this time is the only living member of that band.
1: Yeah,
0: his stance did soften slightly. Okay. Now he says in 2015, quote, It's not the worst thing that can happen to you. I'm a black man in America. And the fact that someone wants to use something I created, Mm. that's flattering. End quote. Now I will go on record. I don't know what you think. I'm sure I'm going to hear it. I'll go on record and saying that this smacks as a perspective from a different time. I mean, far be it from me to even remotely understand what Spencer has gone through in his life. But yeah. what these guys achieved and made, they should be absolutely revered and rewarded for what they booked. Definitely. And yeah. even if it was a happy accident, as they've described... So few people even know its origins. I mean, you tell me what you think, but like for him to say, oh, I'm a black man, and so therefore, like it's nice that they heard it, like he was literally bar none in the UK, especially. He made one of the biggest subgenres that ever existed. Yeah. It's in the same way that you could say that R and B was birthed. It's like that level of genre creation that one breakbeat. One syncopated yeah. beat yeah. takes on a life of its own and spans yeah. three different genres and 80 different years of creation. I mean, the yeah. fact that he says, oh, it's nice that they thought of me, far be it from me to give any judgment on that. But, like, they deserve more.
1: Oh, well, they definitely deserve more. And I think, again, it's just like that such an empowering stance from, yet again, a black person basically stating their thanks and appreciation for them just getting any recognition and use out of anything and not being entitled by any means or being upset that they didn't get more is like the most humbling thing like Mm. we deserve we we being me as a white person like deserve to be educated better to take a stance and being more humbled. Yeah. Because to have, how the fuck? To have,
0: the, how the fuck does that happen? To, ha- to have yeah, to it's... have
1: just that outlook like that is incredible. Like I, I, it's 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 unbelievable. Like it's so humbling for him to just say something like that. It's like a life lesson to hear a stance from like someone say something like that because as a black man. The other things that he and black people have had to deal with in society have been so fucked mm-hmm. that, of course, for this one little thing that you and I are sitting here going, this is crazy that they've got barely any right. Yeah. yeah, but it's, it's a drop
0: in the bucket compared to what, what they've they described yeah. yeah, right. and, and, so and again, we, we can't even begin to unreservedly kind of apologize yeah, for what we've seen. Yeah, but what I, what I would say in reference to this subject directly
1: yeah.
0: is clearly people around the world agree with what we've said. Yeah. Because, and again, I'll never end a story on a bad note <laughs> because I just, I love to see the smiles, is yeah. in late 2015, Give us a, Disney. a GoFundMe was set up by two British DJs Martin Webster, and Steve Theobald. Uh, And they set up a GoFundMe purely to give restitution to the one living member of the Winstons, okay? And they raised $37,000 for Rich Spencer, the only surviving member of the Winstons, before he died in 2020. So he had five years to essentially enjoy the money. um, Which is barely nothing, but what is nice is that and both these guys have said that drum and bass was their pure bass like influence. So the fact that they yeah. looked at it and went, you know what, the yeah. father of this. Because GC Coleman's been dead for a long time. Right. Let's at least give his good friend, his bandmate, right, right. something to live off of. Right. That That's commendable, even with the horrors that went before.
1: Yeah.
0: And so I think what it brings us to, Brian, naturally, is the big question, which is, because it has to be a bit different this week because it's not about an actual musical celebrity because they're all deceased. So what right. we have to say really is, why the Amen break? Why that sample right. above all others? Why is that charmed? Why does it still linger? Yeah. And I think Richard Spencer nailed it when he said, quote, there's something about the groove of that break and especially the way people chop it up. For me, it's this perfect blend between something very organic sounding and very robotic sounding at the same time. The rhythm itself is syncopated, so there's loads of variations on the drums you can derive from sampling the original break. It's right. really conducive to chopping and rearranging. It also sonically has this punch that makes it unique.
1: Okay. End yeah. quote. Wow.
0: I mean, you agree, right? Yeah. It's quite special. Yeah. It takes a... A fucking eight point eight second drum loop. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, the that transcends happening. that transcends almost a century.
1: Yeah,
0: it, it's got to be special, and I think yeah. we have to just say, charmed yeah. or not, isn't the question tonight. But it wasn't dumb luck that put the amen break into over twenty. No. 1000
1: songs. Yeah.
0: 20,000. It was those qualities that made producers unable to resist using it to push forward new genres. And while the Amen Break story has tragic elements that do highlight racial inequalities that still exist today. Yeah. The sample itself can only be classified as living the most charmed of lives. Because it has just—I mean, if you think that twenty thousand separate producers have said, "This is me. I'm in."
1: Yeah, I
0: can't come up with a better drum beat. I'm in. You think that ninety-five percent of drum and bass producers have gone? I guess I'll stick with the syncopation of Amen Break because I can't do better. That—that to me just is like not only does it do justice to the memory of G. C. Coleman and all of the Winstons, but it just highlights the fact that. You don't ever know what if what you create is going to become special. And that is exactly what we are talking about with the AMM break because it is just an unbelievable piece of music that came about because six men wanted to sack off a session early and go and have a beer. And so when people talk about, oh, I don't know if the music I made is good enough, how will you ever fucking know? And how will you ever know if it's a charmed piece of music or not? Yeah, You don't know. And and in the same way that art becomes famous 300 years after it's painted, G.C. Coleman's work yeah. has become more prominent, and by our podcast and others, more famous than it ever was in his lifetime. And, you know, wherever you are, G.C., we wish you all the best, my man. Yeah, I was,
1: yeah. This is a
0: big passion of mine. Brian knows. Drum and bass is like
1: yeah, my, it.
0: my holy grail, and I just... If if I, if, I can, you know. if, if if I can even bring you guys a tenth of the passion of what we think about it we'll have done our job and we'll have done their memory justice so yeah well said
1: dude i mean that's it and like looking into it in a completely different lens and having no idea and you being the obsessive weirdo that you are (laughs) yeah and you teaching me this and telling me this and sharing this with with our listeners is is phenomenal and i think it's so heartbreaking to think that the, the battles they faced in the racial injustice happening then and the sample being in quote that has been used, that it was just cut and spliced and repeated and then just mixed to a different tempo and reused over and over again to make such a huge impact on so many different genres is incredible. And like you said, it's, it's um, unbelievable to a certain degree to think that one little moment in time and one drum beat and one whatever talented person bringing one sample of their yeah.
0: musical Essentially a session musician yeah. just slapping some things down that it's, just became it's the incredible. predecessor for yeah. all modern dance music yeah. is just, it's beyond comprehension.
1: It's, it is. And it's why it's this is such a cool topic. And it's something that I hope people um, take from this and go into research on their own yeah. more. And again, because it really we, is our sources sometimes. are a
0: great starting point for you guys. It yeah. literally anything that you want to see on our website,
1: yeah.
0: just click charmlifepod.squarespace.com. dot com. Yeah. Click the sources page is right there. And you guys can see for yourselves where we've got this info from. You can find a bio on GC, yeah. on Lewis on all of the people that we've spoken about today. And more importantly, understand that what we're talking about is something that should be revered. We've, we've given you a lot of topics, Lil Nas Jai Paul, even the Beach Boys to an extent, modern pop that you can either laugh or love, right? Yeah. This is something where go and donate to the GoFund. Give it oh, to his yeah. family. Yeah, Give it to somebody family. that actually fully deserves it. Because yeah. if, if you're up in heaven and you've, birth tree three genres. (laughs) You should be the fucking right hand of somebody, you know. And and that's really where we're going to end it today, Charmer. So if if you like what you heard, please share, comment, like, subscribe. Make sure that you give it to everybody you know. Uh, Tell them about GC Common. Tell them about what we've spoken here today. And next week
1: we're
0: going to have a social drama for you that spans 150 years. In the meantime comment like subscribe and share we're actually working on a patreon for you guys right now that's right which yeah. is gonna have it's gonna have merch we've got t-shirts that say yeah. we've got bono the fucking <laughs> ever turned up. the fucking you'll ever turned up. but we we have it
1: fucking
0: regardless man. so if you're even remotely interested give us a follow we're gonna send you updates you'll be on our mailing list we'd love to hear from you and until next time Stay safe out there, Chalmers.
1: Stay Chalmers. Good night. Much love. Listen up, Charmers. Charm Life is a Spiritual Critters limited production. All content constructed and performed by Charles Cameron and Brian Nunes. That's me. Post-production and editing by Charles Cameron. All music played in this podcast is licensed under contract.